on the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's a virtual buffet, a Brian buffet, if you will, of topics as we're breaking down the worst stuff we booked and the worst matches we've had. Plus, hear all about Kingpin's first day at wrestling school. Then, a classic promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 159, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And not joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is one half of the bouncers. He is the brawler, Brian Malonis. Yes, Malonis is off warring with the world this weekend for Ring of Honor. And apparently he's had a hell of a time traveling this weekend, so he'll be back next week to talk all about that but in all honesty it's not his fault we don't have him here this week it's on me uh i couldn't get with him during the week and of course he is off doing his roh thing this weekend so instead we are here with a best of bda edition of the wrestling podcast about nothing we used to do these bda bonus podcasts in addition to the monday shows and I said it last time, but there's some good stuff in those old episodes, and most of you missed it. So it's like they say at the used car lot. It's new to you. And it's chock full of Malonis. So to the guy who said he wants less Crockett in our survey, we'll get right to Brian in just a minute. And speaking of the survey, thanks to everyone who's filled it out so far. We're looking to get more honest feedback about the WPAN and more information about you guys, the listeners. So please, it will take about five to ten minutes of your time, and it will go a long way in helping us make the best show possible. It's completely anonymous, so please let us have it. Go to tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey. Fill out the survey. Give us some feedback. Thank you very much. And someplace else you can go. BrianMalonis.com. He says, coming soon, some new designs, new t-shirts to BrianMalonis.com. But you can get the existing designs there right now. The old Kingpin logo design, the Mastodon shirt, the Mega Malonis shirt, and of course, the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt, the centerpiece of BrianMalonis.com. Go there, get those t-shirts, support the Kingpin, support the Brawler, and you can support both of us by going to the WPAN.com. This is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, our monks. Everything you want to know about the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's where we all come together when it comes to the wrestling podcast about nothing. Go check out the WPAN.com. You can find the ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast about nothing, all the various podcast platforms, including Spotify, Find all the social media links. We are at the WPAN on all social media platforms, plus photos, plus bios. No nudes just yet. People are clamoring for those in the survey, uh, but not quite just yet. (laughs) Keep your eye out for those. Keep them peeled at the WPAN.com. So, all right, let's get into our first segment. What's the first day of wrestling school really like? Well, if you're like Brian Malonis, it kind of makes you want to (laughs) quit. Let's take a listen. (laughs) 
hopefully you'll have plenty to say, Brian, when it comes to how you got started in the professional wrestling business. Okay, uh, Brian, it starts out you were a friends with a wrestler, right? Yeah, so my buddy Clean, uh, he was a year ahead of me in high school, and I, I met him through a mutual friend. Um, obviously, the common bond being we all liked wrestling. Um, and then when we were, oh, I want to say he was a junior and I was a sophomore, or maybe I was a freshman and he was a sophomore, he, he signed up for uh, Kowalski's. He actually, it's funny, he started before like Aaron Stevens did. Uh, I remember meeting, uh, I used to go with him to Kowalski's, I remember meeting Aaron Stevens on his very first day, Aaron Stevens being Damian Sandow, Aaron Rex, I remember meeting him on his very first day of training. And this was at Killer Kowalski's Wrestling yes. School in Malden, Massachusetts. Right. So I was I was only in high school at the time, and my parents weren't going to pony up the money for me to you know go to pro wrestling school. And I was playing sports at the time, high school sports, high school football. Um, you were going to be a baseball player. Yes, I was going to be a I was going to be an all star baseball player, Mike. We talked about this on Monday. Yes. Yeah. First, I was going to be the first baseman for the Boston Red Sox, but uh, turns out uh, you know that didn't work out so well. But once I got out of high school, um, my my buddy had started and stopped a few times. So I was out of high school for like a year. And he had decided to go back. And he had looked up. He was going to go back to, to Walter School. Um, but he had come across something um, that Chaotic had opened a school. And Mike Hollow had become the trainer. So he was going to go where Mike went. Uh, so we actually went to the first meeting at the CTC. They had like a... Just like a, I don't know if it was like an open house or... I bl- yeah, I remember seeing um, some propaganda. I don't know if it's propaganda is the right word, but some like, like a flyer uh, around for the yeah the open house, I believe, at the site of the school before it even opened. Right. And so you were there. I, yeah, I was I was there. And, and at this uh, meeting was Christopher Nowinski, um, who had just lost Tough Enough like not too long before that. I, I don't know if it was days or weeks. I'd, I'd have to look up the actual date of like the Tough Enough One finale, but he was there. So it's funny, and then we actually talked about a little, a little bit with Todd Sinclair um, that Who? he started. <laughs> Fat Pants, Todd Sinclair, oh, okay. Honor Senior Official. Come oh, on. yes, that guy. Um, and I had kind of forgotten this until he said it that I sat with him because uh, I watched. I, this was in like September. This was, I think, oh, Jesus, I, I think it was pre 9 11. And I, I sat and watched for a couple months because I needed to get the money. Now, mind you, I had no business signing up for pro wrestling school. I was 19 years old. Right. I had no job. Uh, I was living with um, my girlfriend, uh, who ultimately became my wife. Uh, I was living with her and her parents. Again, I, I must reiterate, unemployed. Yes. Smoking probably a pack of cigarettes a day. Uh, <laughs> and teetering uh on the verge of being 500 pounds and obviously in no physical i couldn't wa- i couldn't walk up the stairs i had no business signing up for professional wrestling school but alas uh i did so you've um said in the past i don't know if it's been on this podcast actually that you when you started you kind of had maybe a little bit of an attitude problem was this part of it that you thought you know i could i can do this um better than these guys i don't think it was i I thought i was better than them it was just the mindset of well i'm gonna go to pro wrestling school i'm gonna get signed by wwe and that's gonna be the end of it and not realizing all of the work that really goes into it um just not having an understanding even though i had kind of been around it with clean and i'd seen training classes and 
you know, I, I just for whatever reason didn't pick up on how much hard work it really was to to go about being a, a professional wrestler. Um, and the funny thing is, I sat around and watched classes, you know, for two months before signing up at the Chaotic Training Center, and I still didn't. Um, it, it's funny. I was just a, I was a very different point in my life and my um i i mean to say i didn't like who i was not to get too deep on everybody here but to say that i didn't like who i was as a person at that point in time would be a just a vast understatement oh yeah um i i don't i don't know why um steph stayed with me through that time period i was a jerk i was lazy um you know i didn't have any work ethic i i didn't you know i was just you know, it was just, I was existing. I wasn't living, you know, and I was just a piece of garbage. <laughs> I mean, to put it, okay. put it bluntly, I was, I was a piece of garbage at 19. I think a lot of people probably are, but I didn't take accountability for anything. Stuff was always somebody else's fault. And I don't know where I ever developed that because my dad was a, was a hardworking guy until he became disabled. Um, and then I still watched him do whatever it took to get food on the table and clothes on our back growing up. So I, I literally have no idea where I kind of developed those habits from. Uh, I just, I, I really don't know. Right. But yeah, so I was, I, I came into this completely just with the wrong mindset, the wrong attitude and the wrong physical condition. I was set up to be a, a complete and utter failure who f- should have flamed out you know, two weeks in and never and never showed back up. So uh, to go back on something that you talked about like 10 minutes ago at this point, uh, the end of Tough Enough Phone was September 27th, 2001. So yeah, okay. right, around nine, right after 9-11. Yeah, so yeah, it was, so maybe it was like the beginning of October that uh, that meeting was, but it was it was right around the time that he had lost. So that's kind of the time frame there. But yeah, so as you you so rudely interrupted me now. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am, Mike. I'm playing injured. I, I my voice is probably gonna crap out on us halfway through this episode, and you're you're interrupting me and being your normal jerk self. Wow. I'm opening I'm opening up to the uh, exposing myself to the world, uh, yes. to our audience, to you, and this is the treatment you give me in return. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you heard uh, Bruce Pritchard do three hours last week. He was under the weather. Are you, are you taking his gimmick now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wish. Can we take his listeners too? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Go ahead, big guy. <laughs> I don't know where I was now. Oh, oh sitting and watching and not uh, not comprehending that I wouldn't be able to do this. Um, so finally, I said I I I got a loan from um, my buddy's mom. And uh, I went and I paid one lump sum and I signed wow. up. Uh, I believe it was Jamie who signed me up. It was the day before my 20th birthday. So here I was, Mike, the day before my 20th birthday, uh, signing up for pro wrestling school to try and start fulfilling my destiny as a, as a pro wrestler. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Happy birthday indeed. So the first person I got in the ring with, um, there was two retri- rings at the Chaotic Training Center for people who haven't been there. The Chaotic Training Center, you kind of walk in and there's like a lobby area and like a nice lounge area and upstairs there's an office. Uh, then you kind of go into this big warehouse looking room and it has two rings. Uh, the one on the right has kind of always, I guess, been reserved for like advanced type students. And the one on the left always was kind of like the beginner's ring. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, I, sh- I should mention that. Jerry Bowser um, was originally <laughs> in charge of the beginners, and I'm sure probably nobody listening to this even knows who Jerry Bowser is, but Jerry Bowser wrestled as the Boston Brawler. Very, very intense dude. Just, I mean, I watched him 
like at Kowalski's ready to fight Wagner Brown because he screwed up a dropkick spot. Like I, me- I remember this vividly. I was like 17 years old, 16 years old, and I remember seeing him lose his mind. And then I remember seeing him just uh, in the time I was watching classes, just pounding on the on the on all the newbies and just yeah. sc- screaming at him. And unfortunately, um, Jerry had a had, I believe he had a stroke. Yes. Um, around that time, and so he was no longer handling the beginner. So it was Duke Dalton was the first guy who brought me in the ring, and I was the only new student on that day. And I was the I think I was the only one in the ring with him. So how many were at the class total? Um, I think there were quite a few doing like other drills in the other. There was it was a pretty full house at that point. Okay. I mean, the ones that I remember were Tony Omega, of course, Billy Kryptonite. Um, who became Chad Dick in WWE for <laughs> five minutes? Um, Jerry yes. Payne, who ultimately went on to manage me for you know ten plus years. Um, trying to think of some of the other people. Uh, John Walters, I'm, I'm sure, was there. I'm sure Aaron Stevens was there. Big Mike Stud. Uh, these are all guys who are in chaotic. Uh, Vince Vicalo. So these are all guys that were actually probably on shows already at this point. Right. Yeah. They were all coming to class regularly. They were coming to class. Usually those guys were Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then they wouldn't come on the weekends. Right. So you're walking into this building, which, by the way, on our Facebook page, uh, I shot a Facebook Live video a couple months ago at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, uh, which used to be the Chaotic Training Center, where Brian's talking about it. So if you want to see the layout of how this thing was, it's still set up the same way, so you can go on our Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN to see actually the layout of the building. But you walked in there, and you were the only one who's brand new and all these other guys you've seen, you've gone to shows and watched them perform on shows, most of the time sitting in the front row. So did you feel uh, at all uncomfortable just walking into this uh, scenario? No, not really. No. Really? <laughs> I mean, you, I think you know me at least well enough at this point, Mike. I, I really don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I intimidate easy, you know, especially at that point, the way my attitude was. Right. Um. I just kind of acted like I belonged, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, like I said, I think I think you know me well enough to know I'm a pretty bold person in general. So I don't know. I, it, it probably was just being, you know, a dink. I'm sure, and just thought like, yeah, I'm gonna go crush this. I'm gonna go, you know, be in WWE in like two months. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh, so, yeah, I think the first thing we did was tie up, which I don't remember much about. I'm sure he told me to loosen up or whatever. And then we kind of moved on to bumps pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's where it all started falling apart for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even run the ropes or anything like that first? You just went right to the bumps? Yeah. Yeah. We locking up? To the, yeah, we went to the bumps first. There was, I think I'm pretty sure we tied up first and then we went right. to the bumps. And of course, like you're apprehensive at first because throwing yourself on the ground sounds ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it goes against like every instinct you have. Yeah. So, uh, of course, I start, you know, and I start getting a little more like aggressive with it and I start just walloping my head. <laughs> like just every time, not tucking my chin, just destroying my head. And after, you know, eight or ten bumps i just i start getting really 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 dizzy and like the room is spinning and i have a headache um and i took a few more and i just said i have to go to the bathroom 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I get out of the ring, and I, I'm, I'm, and I don't even know. Dukes probably has no recollection because he started so many guys. And I was just having a complete panic attack and meltdown. Like I, I don't think I was like crying or anything like that, but I was definitely like hyperventilating a little bit. Like, cause I, I, I was in the bathroom, which is probably the worst thing to do. Cause like, God knows what could have happened. Like if something, if I really hurt myself bad and it just had gone and locked myself in the bathroom, that could have been a really bad situation. And not to mention I was nearly fucking 500 pounds. So, yeah. you know, if I would have had like a heart attack or something. So these bumps, you were just, uh, standing in the ring. Was it was like, you kind of getting down in the squat position. Yeah. Holding the ropes, backwards? getting down in the squat position and then throwing yourself back. Okay. Um, you're holding on to the ropes. Yeah. People could picture that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so now like I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in complete panic mode and I'm just starting to like wonder, I'm like sweating and one like, Oh my God, I've made a mistake. I can't do this. Um, I wonder if they'll give me my money back. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you buy lots of cigarettes with that money. Yeah. So I was probably in the bathroom. I'm, uh, it felt like an eternity. It was in reality probably like 10 minutes. And I just splashed some cold water on my face and talked myself back into getting back in there. And yeah, I remember, I, I remember telling myself, no, no, you gotta, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Like, don't give right. up. Right. <laughs> um, you know, if, if, I mean, if there's, one thing I, if there's one thing I've had throughout my entire career is that I'm not a quitter. You know, I've never, I've never quit trying. I, I'm just not a quitter. Um, so I guess that was one good thing that, in spite of all my horrible qualities I had at that point, at least I had, um, at least I still had that going right. for me. Um, so we, I think, I, I'm pretty sure we took a break from bumps and started hitting the ropes a little bit. And after that, I was pretty much done physically for the night. And the next day, obviously, it was just a bad day. I remember Duke's telling me, "You got to ice your neck. You got to ice your neck. You got to ice your neck." Naturally, I did not. Of course. Um, ice my neck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did crush some cigarettes on the ride home. Though, I can tell <laughs> I was going to ask. With, yeah. with certainty. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm sure I reeked like cigarettes, so they knew I, I was a smoker, I'm sure. But I never, after, after like that initial panic attack in the bathroom, at least, you know, initially, there were, there were other times where like I, I thought about like leaving the chaotic training center. But never again did I reconsider quitting wrestling after that. Even if I was clueless, I was pretty determined to to try to do something, you know, in professional wrestling. Um, as rough as rough as that first, uh, as rough as that first go around really was. So there was never a question that you were going back the next class. No, none. Um, yeah. Like I said, I just had that initial. You know, like I said, a lot of it was because I was dizzy and just, I never, I never again questioned whether I was going to go back for more. Well, Brian, I think maybe another day we could talk about uh, that other stuff, like what caused that switch for you to finally get your head on straight. But um, before we are done with this here, talking about your first day training, what would you say to people who haven't taken that step, that want to take that step to become a professional wrestler, to step into a wrestling academy for the first time and start training? Don't. No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm kidding. I, I think um, always pursue your dreams. Um, no matter how silly they may seem, no matter how sensical, no matter how far fetched, no matter the odds, always pursue your dreams. Um, be prepared, though. Prepare yourself better than I uh, than I certainly did. I, I if I had been more prepared going in, 
I don't know that ultimately I'd be in a different spot today than I am, but you know, I, I might have gotten to other places a little sooner. So you're not, you're not uh, recommending people go in completely ignorant like you did. No, no, educate <laughs> okay. yourself. You know, be in good, be in good shape. Have a good attitude. Be humble. Be coachable. Um, all those, you know, all those good things. All those things that are should that should be common sense that really aren't. I guess but all the things I have no tolerance for at this at this particular juncture in my life. <laughs> um, right. Always pursue your dreams. That's one thing I've never made. I haven't made it to WWE, and I've just started to do things on TV with Ring of Honor. But one thing I think um, my my dad was always proud of with me was the fact that I pursued my dream, and and I would get down at times, um, and just really down on myself because things weren't going right. And and he was always there to remind me that I kind of already have won just by the fact that I took a risk and decide to pursue my dream because not everybody does that or gets to do that or, or dares to do that. So no matter what your dream is, do it. You, you, you know, not to get all philosophical, but you get one go around at this. And uh, I never wanted to, uh, even at that age, even with all the shit that was in my head at 19 or 20 years old, I never wanted to look back at my life later on and be like, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have... I wish I would have really given that a chance. I wish I would have tried that uh, because once time passes you by, it's too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're, you know, when when you're in your 40s or 50s, or and you, and you didn't do those things you wanted to do when you were younger, it's too late at that point. So uh, you know, I, I say don't wait. If you want a career in pro wrestling or if you want a career in anything, just go out and do it. That's the only way things are going to happen for you, one way or the other. And at least then uh, you'll know. Obviously, really happy to talk about this here today about your first day training. I think this would be a nice series, perhaps, to talk more about. Uh, so then, my second, know, my second day of training, my third. Yes. Day of training. <laughs> <laughs> but we never really did get back to talking about Brian's training beyond the first day, anyway. If this is something that would uh, interest you, go to Twitter. Let us know at the WPAN. Uh, give us some feedback, or you can leave feedback via the survey. Once again, it is tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey. Fill that out and let us know in the comments there that you want to hear us talk more about wrestling school. And thank you very much. So Malonis did manage to stick it out and started getting booked. And he had good matches and he had some bad matches as well, as he's uh, willing to admit. As a ref, I had some ref outings myself. Um, but before we talk about that, let's talk about the two of us as bookers. Yes, both of us had opportunities to book angles and such for chaotic wrestling. And we put out a clip talking about the worst stuff we ever booked exclusively on YouTube, which basically means no one heard this thing. So it's definitely going to be new to you. So I want to share it with you guys right now. The worst booking ideas that we ever had. Not the worst booking ideas we ever had. The worst booked things that actually happened. All right. Well, I mean, go carry it away, Mike. What you don't want to go first? What do you mean? What is what your worst booking decision? I I mean, uh, here's the thing. I'll, I'm gonna since you cut out you cut out me doubling down on being the greatest heel in chaotic wrestling history. I'm gonna triple <laughs> down now. Not only was I the greatest heel in chaotic wrestling history, the greatest booker in chaotic wrestling history. Oh. Everything I everything I booked got over. And we drew everything. I took no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'll go first then, Brian. I'll go first. Okay. I booked, uh, helped book chaotic wrestling for a period, and wait, what you did? 
I did. This was never officially announced. What happened? What every, every time I talked to you about booking, uh, you would claim you weren't booking. So what's what's this? <laughs> this is like you're like dropping uh, a bombshell on me here. Well, I was an understudy. I was in the shadows. What was your nickname, Mike, at this time? Uh, what was my nickname? Cafe Booker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I, I like to just give ideas. I, I Maybe I wasn't considered a, a full-fledged booker, but I would give ideas and... Hopefully some people would use them. Some people would not. Like I did some stuff with uh, Jamie, the owner. I did some stuff with Tarzan. I did some stuff with you. <laughs> but you guys were the more, you you would take the action and I would kind of hang back in the shadows. You would kind of turtle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. Right, maybe. But uh, yeah, so I would contribute thoughts and ideas. And one of my big ideas was I took the lost souls in a new direction. At this point, you remember the original Lost Souls, Brian, with uh, yourself and Matthew Evagrius and uh, Terry Payne and Pete Malloy. But this version of the Lost Souls was Sledge and Scott Reed. I got this idea that they would do some sort of ritualistic ceremony in the ring. And it involved using duct tape and taping someone to the ropes and doing some sort of chants and such and doing some ridiculousness in the ring to sort of wait was this was this a lost souls or was this jason the terrible and zodiac <laughs> come on <laughs> that's the uh, promo about nothing for this past week go back and listen <laughs> to episode 27 for more on jason and zodiac that's a that's a callback mike thank you very much <laughs> and they would also um take paint and paint the chest of the wrestler that was i remember makazi specifically who uh has gone on to great success as a uh costumer in wwe he was caught up in the ropes he was tied to the ropes and they p- paint across his chest and that was like the big thing which i didn't really know why that happened but the whole idea was whenever they did this to somebody they would change i think makazi he became more of a ninja, I think, after this <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> Good lord! This, uh, so, and I remember at this time we I did some vignettes too that were kind of silly and goofy. And I remember specifically uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who is uh, now with WWE NXT, really buried them <laughs> right to my face. Wasn't this part of like, like, didn't they attack? Tommaso and tie him up and this is what led to me getting punched in the face with by Tommaso's dad yes <laughs> okay we talked about this oh we talked about the uh this well, we the, talked about it but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't heard by our fans <laughs> uh, never released episode of the wrestling <laughs> podcast about nothing yes I think yeah there was we tied Tommaso up on the ropes and then yeah so he was there while you interacted with his family and couldn't do anything about it because he was all tied up but Tommaso, I remember, really buried it to my face. And I think that was part of the reason that we kind of became not at odds, but we just the, we weren't the same, me and Tommaso, to each other after that because I really took offense. I was like... Well, Tommaso doesn't mince words. <laughs> yes. And at the time, I was I believed in it, I guess, and I was... I was offended that he... You that being he, pig-headed on something. I, <laughs> uh, this is, does not sound familiar at all to I me. D- yeah, I, d- I didn't really enjoy the the way he was coming at me with it, and it kind of soured me. I mean, Tommaso kind of had, I wouldn't say heat, but we, we didn't like... You know, we were friendly in the past, and we didn't really talk that much after that, and I kind of had... I, I held some ill will after the way he buried this thing that, as it turns out, you know, looking back, 
It was terrible, and it should have been married. Maybe maybe some of these vignettes could be a future promo about nothing. <laughs> but yeah, that was, I think, when I thought back to what I booked that was terrible, that was the Lost Souls being Satan worshippers, I guess, or whatever the hell they were doing. I'm not even sure what the end game was. I think it might have been just to do that angle with you, now that you brought that up, just to have a way to get... Um, Tommaso did you just, up did you just indirectly put the heat on me for this yes. for this garbage? Yes, it was your, your <laughs> fault. It was all you. Okay, Brian, I've given you some time. You had to come up with at least a little something. All right, all right, all right. Now, I, I, and it, I think my booking style was more stuff based... I like reality based type of <laughs> but I mean I like, mine wasn't reality <laughs> I'm, I'm much less into the cartoonish type of stuff like that in wrestling right. and, and we talked about this with Todd Sinclair just the the kidnapping angle it just doesn't get over especially in the independence yeah people just don't buy it and people didn't really buy this like I remember saying um there was a chant of this is weird. I think it was the chant. <laughs> this is weird. This is weird. No one knew what to think while this was going on in the ring for way too long. Yeah, so the fans didn't understand. The fans didn't. Are you okay? <laughs> the listen, this is weird chant got me. <laughs> yeah, this. It just didn't work on the independence. And I'm sorry. Go on. Sorry to cut you <laughs> off. I'm going to preface mine first with saying that the individuals I'm about to talk about. I love all of them dearly. I think all in their own way are outstanding performers. Uh, and I truly think this was a case of me putting them in situations that either they were not capable of, you know, just based on their strengths or uh, which is which is an important part of booking. Right. You know, know what people's strengths are and accentuate those. And and also, you know, not putting them in the situations that needed to happen to, to get where I wanted to go, um, so I, go. I, I don't want I don't want text or tweets or whatever. Like this is not a shot at these guys. This is a shot at me putting guys in a bad in bad positions. Uh, so team friendship had been a thing for a while and chaotic, and I really thought okay, Mark Sherman and Scotty Mark Slade. Sherman and Scotty Slade. Yeah, I thought it was time to wind down. But I thought in my mind we need. We need something that's very kid friendly, like something to take the team friendship, you know, what team friendship was doing and continue it, but in a new and different way. The team friendship was a very entertaining team. They did very entertaining uh, videos, vignettes for a couple of years for Chaotic Wrestling. So that's yes. what you're talking about. You want to find another entertaining tag team that right. will take that mantle. Right, exactly. Something that the kids would like, the young fans, would, or really all the fans would like and be super entertaining and, and, and we could do funny fun videos with and and such so there was two guys uh, just kind of breaking in on the roster anthony green and cam zagami and the green a former guest here yes. on the Wrestling podcast about uh, if you couldn't tell by listening to that episode he said four words <laughs> <laughs> and that was a burial <laughs> <laughs> come on now well the, the rest of this is not going to be a burial that was a burial oh, <laughs> but um so in my mind so cam and ag have been teaming all over doing a very ambiguous kind of act what do you mean oh very ambiguous okay. uh, which i think is a passe concept in 2016 when it comes to professional wrestling gimmicks um you know for various reasons but i thought the two of them had the ability to really like i thought they in my mind these guys were going to be the hottest thing in chaotic wrestling they were going to take the mantle that we did with team you know that team friendship had and this was going to be our new kid-friendly awesome baby Funny, face ha -ha, tag yeah. team yeah so we we even did a vignette uh, 
them, you know, walking through the woods and, and like a Goonies type of uh, uh, vignette that took 17,000 takes. And by the end of it, I was miserable. Um, <laughs> but we got it and it was okay. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, and then, um, you know, again, just uh, in my mind, I thought they were they could pull off what Scotty and Mark were able to pull off. Um, and kudos to to Sherman and Slade because their on screen chemistry was amazing. And I thought, well, AG's kind of goofy. Cam can maybe be more of the straight guy, but kind of dumb. Like, and it was just not the right fit at all. It always came across awkward. They, the crowd did not take to them as I, uh, as I had hoped. Um, and I think largely because they are not that, that style. Their strengths do not play into what I was trying to convey, which is what the strengths of team friendship were, which was largely Tarzan's doing of putting them together and, and molding that. Um, so they were the Lex Express. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, we even, I even booked a tag match um, yes. between... Team Friendship, Mark Sherman and Scotty Slade versus Cam Zagami and Anthony Green. And this is to be the passing of the torch. This is like the WrestleMania of, yes, 6, yes. Hogan and the Warrior. Um, and again, this is not a shot at those guys. Um, this is a shot at me not clearly conveying what I wanted out of this match. Uh, it was one of the worst matches that I booked. Um, the match was not good, to put it kindly. You know, sometimes comedy goes too far and takes too big of a turn. And it was awful. And after that, I got completely cold feet and didn't know what to do with the <laughs> Cam and connection. Uh, and again, that's not indicative of their talent because I thought they were, uh, and I still think they're they're a really good tag team and have good chemistry. Just I, as a booker, did not put them in the right role. Also, being their level of experience at that time, I didn't take that into account. Which again, bad bad booker on my part. And I maybe maybe I uh, undersold the you know what team friendship was and what they were capable of and their on-screen chemistry was because it was something special for that run in chaotic wrestling so yes i am i do have uh, bad things i booked that probably it's not it doesn't have the comedic <laughs> um yes. effects that yours had but certainly just horrendous horrendous <laughs> horrendous booking on my part if you want to hear more of our booking tales um let us know at the wpan on twitter we'd love to hear from you we think maybe we can get a full episode out of all this stuff that we're talking about here so there's another thing we never really touched on again you guys want to hear more about bad booking for me and the kingpin please let us know on twitter at the wpan or through the survey tinyurl.com slash wpan survey bad booking ideas bad booking decisions I'm sure there's plenty more where that came from. Let us know if you want to hear us talk about it in the future here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. So, horrible matches that we have been involved in. We'll get to it in just a second, but first, why don't you call the voicemail line? 401-584-9726. Another great way to give us feedback here on the WPAN, the voicemail line. You will get your voice on this show. You will hear yourself. On these very airwaves, 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Before we go any further, I just want to give a couple of shout-outs to some good friends of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Booking the Territory. 
the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills, Harper A. Hopper, and Doc Turner. Twice a week they put out podcasts on Sundays, the Smoky Mountain Show. On Thursdays, their flagship show where they're talking about the old Saturday Night 605 show. MikeMills.Podmean.com. Always appreciate Mike Mills talking about us, giving us plugs. Really, really do truly appreciate the friendship. I mean, he gives me a hard time all the time, essentially, but still puts over the WPAN, so I uh, got to thank Mike Mills for that, booking the territory. Our Vantage Point, another great podcast, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, the Northern Equivalent, some would say, of booking the territory. Our Vantage Point with wee little Joe Murata and big Michael Quinn. They're talking about WrestleManias, the best WrestleManias, the worst WrestleManias in their Royal Rankings, Royal Flush segment great segment this season on our vantage point to do seasons over there really want to check that show out it is uh really blowing up these past few months so make sure to support our guys at ovp ovppodcast.com is the website for more information on that how about greetings from allentown how about it how about it greetings from allentown with pw peter winston my old next door neighbor he is talking about one single episode of wrestling television. He is one man. He is covering a whole lot of ground. Not only just the wrestling show in question, but his college years, hockey, baseball, highlights about, uh, you know, the World Cup in 1997, all over there at Greetings from Allentown. It's on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling Only feed on Place to Be Nation. ProWrestlingOnly.com, I believe, is the website for that. Finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with our buddy Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Troy, Sal, all the rest over there. They got the whole network, the Rundown Wrestling Network. For more information on that, go to rundownwrestling.com and enjoy. All right. The worst matches we've ever been involved in. The Kingpin and myself. Let's take a listen right now. Our subject, our topic this week our worst matches. Well, it's going to be a short show unless you're carrying. I don't have bad matches, Mike. Oh, is that the is that a fact? Yes. Ask anybody who's watched me wrestle. All right. I guess we'll have to. You have to go deep in the recesses of your brain, maybe to year one, Brian, to finally be able to pull something up that was less than stellar. Uh, perhaps. I know I've had a few in my day. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I think I've been a part of a couple of them with you. Yeah, I think we'll get into that. Yeah, Steven asked me, how as a referee can I have bad matches? And as a referee, you can have plenty of bad matches. And and Steven, we'll talk all about it on today's episode. <laughs> this is going to be a three-hour show. It might have to be a three-parter. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i've had a couple stinkers in my day i'll save i'll save the big one for last but okay i've given you a second to gather your thoughts to really test yourself here test your memory can you think way back when when you were just lacing up your boots for the first time was there perhaps a match we can start with here kingpin that was uh, less than a five-star affair. Well, I, I, I don't... This is not like specific matches, more like a series of matches that I uh, had the misfortune of being part of. This is four... This is, I mean, this is like 
early, early on. This this might be first year, like active type stuff. Um, I don't know the exact year, but if I had to guess, it's you know it's 2002 ish, somewhere right around there. And I was working for a promotion called UCW down in like the Attleboro area. They were uh, in the Moose Lodges. This would have been Moose Monroe having these matches. So it wasn't even me. It was Moose <laughs> Monroe having these matches. Okay. <laughs> and I had a series of matches with a fellow by the name Skunk O'Malley. Oh. And another fellow who was a backyarder. I think his name was Angel. Uh, that, that seems to stick with me for some reason. I think it was Angel. But we had... I feel like three different three-way matches with the three of us, and they were god-awful because you had me, who's like a year or less in at this point. You have a backyarder who's not trained. He had like a like a 300-pound girlfriend who was his manager, and then you had Skunk O'Malley, who uh, at this point, nobody probably knows who Skunk O'Malley is, but he's... No, do you want to describe him for the public? <laughs> I was trying to think I wanted to describe him. Well... He's a probably at that point had to have been around fifty years old. I would I would think, right? Does that sound about? I I would say forties. Maybe he appeared older than he actually was, <laughs> but had a boulder of a gut. Liked to wear trunks. Had a skunk hairdo. Like think about what that looks like, like a mohawk, but like the, you know was dyed like a skunk. This guy also was was a bit of a bigot. <laughs> um, he might even be in jail at this point. I think he might be in jail. I'm not positive, though. Don't quote me on that. There were some charges levied at yeah. one point. Yeah, he would go on Marlboro, Massachusetts TV and public access, which a show I appeared on more than a number of occasions with him. But we had some stinkers. And, and, and again, I don't have like specific dates or spots, but just knowing even at that point coming out of the ring, like I was, I was embarrassed <laughs> even at that point. Coming out of the ring, he also used to like to get color a lot for no apparent reason. Okay, um, and yeah, he, he, he did this uh, weird skunk strut, like Jeff Jarrett, Ric Flair esque <laughs> skunk strut that he insisted upon getting every match, and he also loved to hit you with a drop kick that uh, you know would hit me, you know, somewhere between my belly button and my nards every time. <laughs> Your what? <laughs> my nards. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Getting clinical for the people. Yeah. So the, the, I, mean, I remember one specifically. This the, they they wanted to do something with this uh, this woman who was uh, this backyarder's manager, and I think it was her boyfriend who was suggesting that she like flirt with us or something. And then and then they got in an argument because she didn't want to do. She want she was ever adamant that she would not kiss either one of us. Not that I would have I I would have kissed this uh this human being, but these matches were terrible and I'm glad there's no video evidence of them to, to soil my good name these days. Are you sure there isn't? I don't think there is at least. Maybe there is. I don't know. Here's hoping. <laughs> no. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, well, I've talked about a number of my bad outings as a professional wrestling referee over the year and a half when we've done this, Brian. Uh, what I haven't talked about, though, I don't think, features Finn Balor. Oh, okay. It was Fergal Devitt, the future Finn Balor versus John Walters. Nothing to do with them. They were having a great match, and they did a 
I believe it was a German suplex. One, two, and I stopped my count, and they didn't. No one kicked out. You jackass. So I found a way to ruin a perfectly good professional wrestling encounter. Fergal David only like a year or two in at this point, but he was still at this point very good. This is being before Japan. This is before everything. He did a little visit. He was around for like, what would you say? At least six months, right? In the uh, New England area? For a little bit, yeah. If I remember correctly, like Chaotic was like not real keen on using him regularly. No, there's only one occasion where he was booked by Chaotic Wrestling. Good good call there. Who was the booker at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, had, had to have been some combination of Fat Pants, Mucko, Jamie. Had to be something like that. But anyway, yes, I found a way to ruin a perfectly good match. Not, I mean, that's not... When I think talk about worst matches, that's not at the top of the list. But I mean, I'm working my way up here. But that was just one that uh, personally... I had a little pit in my stomach after that one. All right. Brian, did you mentioned this, but do you think can you think of any that we had together that we were both in the ring for? Uh well I think about the battle royal spot you blew. Oh, you were in that tag team battle royal? Yeah, me and Sledge were the ones that were supposed to win it. Oh uh... yeah. yeah, you piece of garbage. Well, you gotta talk to the referees before we go out and let us know. <laughs> What was the whole situation again? I I don't know. There was some, I, I you know, I don't even freaking remember. Some like elimination type thing. And I think you rang the bell and you weren't supposed to. Or God, this is, we should take it notes, huh? <laughs> yeah. Someone fell off or the, like, there was like a battle happening on the apron. Someone fell off, but they weren't supposed to. It, it was a whole debacle. And myself and... Sean Matt Bennett, who is now with the WWE, who uh, I don't mean to sully his good name. He is a fine referee doing big things on the main roster for Raw, but he ended up taking control and and, and calling the match uh, in favor of Big Rick Fuller and Fred Sampson, I think, who is a.k.a. Darren Young. Is that how it ended? Something along those lines. Was, yeah. And you guys were supposed to win? Well, we ended up with the belts afterwards or something. I think it broke down into like we were supposed to have a tag. Like the last two teams were supposed to have a tag match. Yeah, no one told us that. Convoluted. But that's not my friggin' job. That's the job of the booker, man. The booker, man? Yeah, read the booking (laughs) sheet, Mike. Well, it wasn't on the booking sheet, my friend. (laughs) If that was the case, I definitely wouldn't know. But from then on, I always made sure to get with the participants in the Battle Royal. Because, you know, you think Battle Royal, it's simple. Guys fall out until there's one guy left in the ring, and you call him the winner. But after this, I made sure to find out what is going on with the Battle Royals. How is the finish happening so I would be prepared? Because this was a debacle. I just remember you being on like Modified Suicide Watch afterwards. It happened quite often with these things, with these <laughs> terrible matches. I mean, we've talked about the match, a referee between two WWE slash WWF divas. And uh, it was Ivory and Tori, not Tori Wilson, the other Tori. And there was a similar situation where, I mean, I'll say it, they called a different finish to me. And somehow the finish got changed when they got to the ring. And... I wasn't aware of it, and I stopped my count, and they didn't kick out. <laughs> so this happens quite often when you're a referee. You, you don't want to. It's never happened on a big stage, though, right, Mike? 
on the big stage like for a national company like right that never happened right uh well there might have been something for ring of honor <laughs> yeah i talked you about went back this and too redeemed yourself afterwards right no i was done that was that was my last appearance for ring of honor uh <laughs> we talked about this too with matt seidel aka evan Bourne, where he said this is my one false make sure you handled this one false finish correctly this is my big false this is it and I fucked it up. <laughs> I like the way this episode's going so far. It's a wonder why I am on an extended hiatus. Maybe it's not of my own volition. Maybe it's just that I stopped getting booked. It's, it's a wonder you ever got booked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, enough of me. Back onto you. <laughs> Terrible matches. I've never had another bad match in my life. That was it? No, I, you know, I, I think about the days going up to Maine, and it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's amazing what Limitless Wrestling has kind of done for wrestling in Maine, because when I first started, man, wrestling in Maine was quite the experience, uh, and I wrestled for Tony Atlas's promotion up there, Atlas Championship Wrestling, and and he had a woman who was his champion, not like his woman's champion, like she was like the heavyweight champion, Amanda Storm. And she was a perfectly nice lady, but maybe not the best professional wrestler on uh, on on earth. And uh, I was, you know, uh, now who? What was your name? Oh, uh, what the hell was I up there? I think maybe Brian the Sherman Tank Abbott. <laughs> I think okay. that sounds about right. All right. But uh, we were the TV main event. He had television up in Lewiston, Maine, and we were the TV main event. And I outweighed her by, you know, fucking 300 pounds. And she proceeded to just mop the floor with me, you know. And and, and I, I, you know, I was very green at the time, maybe a year or two. Again, this is very early, like a year, maybe a little bit later in, maybe a two years in. I, I don't even quite think that, though. And I get to the back and... Tony Atlas is yelling at me because how could I let her do that to me? And I was like, I don't know. She was the champion. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I didn't. And he, and he, and he told me I, I ruined myself up there. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah. So and then and then I had to listen to other people tell me how it's been it's being shown all over Maine, and I'll never be able to wrestle in Maine again. Which at that point was not really a big loss. <laughs> <laughs> But thank God for Randy Carver, who welcomed you back after a long absence. <laughs> yeah, and it hasn't brought me back in like eight months. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's a good friend of the podcast. He is. Randy's a good dude. I'll be back there, I'm sure, at, at, at some point. That reminds me of True Life, I'm a Pro Wrestler with Tony Atlas versus Master Sandy. Is that reminiscent of your match with the Amanda Storm? No, no, I wasn't asking her to kick my face in. Okay. <laughs> just, just every time I'd go to do something, she would just cut me off, hit me in the balls, something along those lines. <laughs> and she was a baby face, by the way. She was a baby face. Well, she had to do something to combat this big, massive man looking to take her title, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, do, you want, do you want something a little later on, Mike? Please. This one is pretty bad, too. I guess all three of these guys are no longer part of the pro wrestling business. But it was myself and Sledge of Chaotic Wrestling fame versus Omega Security. Tony Omega and uh, Barricade. In <laughs> uh, this match, I don't know. I, was, I remember being on the apron at one point. It, it was going so poorly. I could not figure out what any of them were doing. 
And I remember just yelling at them on the apron at one point, like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? It was it was awful. By the time the match ended, it was awkward silence by the crowd. I, I want to say, like, we, me and Sledge were the heels, but then, like, Omega and Nick put, like, a heat on... And, like, we're cheating and stuff on, on Sledge, and it was just... It was awful. It was awful. I just remember storming, storming to the back, just being absolutely beside myself. Was this Tingsboro? Yes. Yeah, were you the ref in this match? I believe I was the ref. Yeah. Do you remember this thing, Mike? I, I think I do. I do remember some awkward silences. I remember you on the apron being very frustrated, upset. And yeah, I mean, these guys, well, I was going to say... Tony Omega's been around longer than me. So. <laughs> well, the I wasn't two. even the veteran in the match. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But yeah, that match was... Uh, I, I, was, I can't believe we got two uh, two connections there. <laughs> two of our worst matches all in one. But I had nothing yeah. to do with that one. I'll just say that. Thank no, God. No, that was not. That was not. That was not your fault. That match was awful. I just remember uh, the uh, there was a, a fella, a friend of ours, who used to take pictures for Chaotic Wrestling. You know, he used to be a stalwart at Chaotic Wrestling, and he and he says to me, "I, I had John Walters had just like left Chaotic Wrestling or something." And he says to me, and I think I just had a feud with John Walters, and he says to me, John Walters would have been able to hold that together. And I said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mike Jess. Just trying a little fun out there. Yeah, nobody was uh, nobody was having any fun in that match. Poor fans. <laughs> Ugh, it was awful. I just sat back and enjoyed. <laughs> nope, nobody enjoyed that. Not even you. <laughs> That's Not even true. you, you miserable prick. <laughs> uh, okay, also, I, we talked about this with Brian Fury, but the tag match that with him and Chris Venom versus Pride, it was for the promotion called NRG. Get it? NRG? And there was a problem with the hot tag where... I don't know if someone didn't know who the heel was or what, but every time I turned around to miss the tag, someone came in and they didn't distract. It was just an absolute mess. Another, uh, another time where it was just, I was beside myself after the match. This happened a lot. This happened a lot where I was just suicide watch. And I remember DC, DC Dillinger backstage, uh, who is no longer with us, just uh, saying this guy is about to kill himself. Just, I, was, I didn't even know him very well. And he was like, wow, this kid's about to kill himself. Yeah. Dave, yeah. Dave didn't care that you'd barely, he barely knew you. Right, exactly. You probably enjoyed it even more because of that. Right. Do you got anything else there, Brian? you can think of yeah i got well i got i got are we going to are we gonna cap yes. this off now all right let's so I'll, do I'll it give you a, i'll give you a two for mike wow yeah the first one we go back a little bit but it's a couple years into my career my first ever chaotic wrestling match mike this has to make this has to make my list of worst <laughs> matches but i'm all i'm all excited i finally get on a chaotic wrestling show I get up on the second rope, I jump down, and go to stomp when I land, and hyperextend my knee, tear my meniscus, and have to hobble around for my first match. This is against Billy Kryptonite, who was Chad Dick in WWE. The match, of course, was awful because I couldn't move because I had a torn meniscus. It was probably about three or four minutes long, and 
almost ruined my career before it even started. <laughs> yeah, and all that happened before the opening bell. Yep, before before the bell rang. I was very excited, Michael. I was very excited. That was a rough day at the office, as Stone yes. Cold would say. And then, uh, so the, my number one, Mike, uh, and I, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before uh, when we had my opponent on. And really, this is this this is nobody's fault. <laughs> Like, you figure, especially at the point that this match probably happened, which is probably uh, four, three, four years ago-ish, somewhere around there. If you put me versus Warbeard Hansen at the top of the card, you should probably feel pretty safe that you're going to get a good match. Not on this night, though. <laughs> uh, about oh, two minutes into the match, he went for an up and over, and his hand slipped on the rope, and... The middle of my face met the middle of his ass. Stink uh, face. And, yeah, yes. Uh, but when you're when you're running, you know, full bore, and uh, he's throwing himself out from the corner, full bore, and your head meets, you know, somebody's ass and gets whiplash back. It's going to be a bad result. The result was uh, probably the worst concussion I've ever I ever suffered in my life where I had lasting symptoms. But the results in this match were that of uh, – just one of the worst matches of my career. Uh, everything felt like it was in slow motion. Everything was a step behind. I was completely lost the entire time. I, I remember the match, but I don't remember, you know, I didn't remember what we had called. Uh, and, like, when he was saying things, I wasn't processing them, like, immediately. So, again, I was a step slow. So everything was just off. I, <laughs> I, I've heard that, one Tarzan Taylor was in the back going absolutely crazy, talking about how the fuck could these two guys have a match this fucking bad? <laughs> and I get to the back, and that was awful. And I say, yeah, I think I've concussed. Well, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so uh, thankfully we've had many opportunity to redeem ourselves from, from that night. Uh, but... That uh, yeah, that that particular match was horrendous, and hopefully <laughs> has been wiped from the, you know, the annals of chaotic wrestling history. Well, maybe you can check it out on Chaotic Online, right? Oh God, I hope not. If, if it's if it's <laughs> up demand. there, do yourself a favor, don't go watch it. <laughs> well, Kingpin, for someone who twenty minutes ago couldn't think of anything, you have uh, quite the little list there. Yeah, notice none of them were my fault though. Oh, I, I did notice that. I did notice that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess I'll top one off with this match, Brian. It was for Beyond Wrestling. Yes, Ooh. the promotion where you are a stalwart these I, I days. Get, I get the feeling I'm about to find out why you don't work there with me. Yes. Uh, well, it was a match with uh, two gentlemen. One is named Dave Cole. One is named Pinky Sanchez. And this match just uh, went to shit. Went to complete and utter shit. Uh, because I was told the finish was a move off the top rope. I forget what it was. Like a powerbomb off the top or something or other. And later I found out that once they got out there, they decided that the ring sucked and they didn't want to do that move off the top rope <laughs> and no one informed me. So, I mean, it's not an excuse. Uh, it sure sounds I, like one. 
<laughs> yeah, the the moral of the story is for, through all this stuff here where I stop my counts, you just got to count. And I had a problem with that. So it didn't happen when they went to a substitute finish that wasn't quite as high flying. I held on my count and everything was awkward. And then they decided they were going to do a double down. And one of the guys in the match says, count me out. So I started counting. Counting, he doubled down. He said, count him out, right? He said, count him out, and he's not getting up. All right. So I get to 10. He's not all the way up, so that's how the match ends. <laughs> I award the match to one of the, one of the guys by count out on a double down. Everybody, everybody loves a good count out. Yeah, the crowd shit all over this. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what was going on. I left the ring in a huff. I was done. I was done. I was done. Well, actually, I had to go back out for the main event. But that was <laughs> that's a different story for a different day. But this, oh my goodness gracious. One of those, yeah, one of those time stops, literally. And I just feel horrible for doing what I did. I feel horrible for the guys involved that this is what became of their match. And uh, yeah, I mean, I did other stuff for Beyond Wrestling, but I wasn't uh, I wasn't one of their top priorities, I guess, we'll say. <laughs> so that was it really for me. Besides a couple of random appearances after that, that was pretty much uh, my swan song with the company. But uh, they're doing good things for you, brother. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, Beyond Wrestling. I'll be back there this Sunday, as a matter of fact. And they're doing great things for New England, for Rhode Island, for, I mean, all over when you think about their reach. Yeah, they've been a breath of fresh air in this area and, uh, you know, something the area has probably needed for a long time. And uh, kudos to Drew and, and everybody over there. And I'm happy to be part of it, happy to be part of the Beyond Wrestling family. And absolutely no kudos to me. I had absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> you almost took the promotion down. <laughs> I almost did. I almost died that night. Uh, my there's goodness. A, there's, a there's a couple more. Maybe one day after I uh, retire from the uh, squared circle, Mike, uh, we'll talk about them on this very podcast. Oh, but, uh, boy. Some I stories see. had to be omitted to to protect. Uh, <laughs> well, the fact that I may have to go into locker rooms with these guys. <laughs> You're holding back, Kingpin. I don't like it, but I kind of understand <laughs> to the same point. Well, one of us, one of us is still out there week in and week out, buddy. And one of us is sitting on his ass doing nothing with his life. Oh boy. We'll let the people figure out who's who. So did you guys pick up on that? Brian's been involved in some bad matches, but I don't think once it seemed to be his fault, did it? We kind of talked about that in the past, but yeah, there's never been a bad match on Brian's end anyway. It's just, you know, those incompetent guys he was in the ring with. Uh, I'm sure we're going to hear it from the Kingpin on that. So uh, what did you think of the worst matches? Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter. And let's get to this week's promo about nothing. But before we do, the kingpin is hitting the highways, byways, and airways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying his trade as a professional wrestler, and he's got dates. This Saturday night, for the first time, he will be in Wisconsin. 
Waukesha, I believe is the name of the town in Wisconsin for Brew City Wrestling, the home promotion of the Beer City Bruiser, his tag team partner, where he'll be teaming with said bruiser, the brawler, the bruiser, together for the first time at Brew City Wrestling. See the bouncers in Waukesha, Wisconsin, Saturday night, May 18th. Check out Brew City Wrestling on Facebook and various other social media platforms for more on the card and ticket information. Then we go to Saturday, June 1st, the Ring of Honor State of the Art Tour comes to Washington State. Yes, the Pacific Northwest. I believe it's the first time ROH is in the Pacific Northwest. Kent, Washington on Saturday, June 1st. And on June 2nd, the Kingpin rolls into Portland, Oregon as part of the State of the Art Tour. Available to watch in its entirety on Honor Club. Both shows that weekend, June 1st, June 2nd, Kent, Washington, Portland, Oregon, the ROH State of the Art Tour, and your own Brawler Brian Malonis will be there. So check out those shows. And to book the Kingpin in the future, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. All right, it is time for a classic promo about nothing. And this one features a reverend. Dick the Bruiser, and a saddle. Yes, a horse saddle. Can't set you up any better than that. Here we go. All right, now, Kingpin, it is time for the promo about nothing. And the year? 1981. The AWA, the American Wrestling Association, was in full swing in Minnesota, and let's listen to this promo. One of the biggest names in the history of the AWA in Minnesota was a guy by the name of Dick the Bruiser. There's a big match he's got coming up in 1981, and we're going to hear about it right here in this week's Promo About Nothing. Be at the amphitheater on Saturday, October 17th. By next week at this time, we'll tell you the wrestlers on that card. Next Saturday night. September 26th at the Hammond Civic Center. What a tremendous card there in the main event. A handicapped saddle match. It'll be one man versus two. Dick the Bruiser takes on Christy and the Reverend Hampton, who's with me right now. You'll also see Dr. Graham versus Moose Cholak. Savage versus the great Olympic star Wojciechowski. The Saint wrestles Tom Lynch. It'll be Mark Manson against Bold Eagle. And fans in Cicero at the Cicero Stadium on Friday, October 9th, 8.30 p.m., a great card there. But the one we're looking forward to right now is next Saturday, the 26th, at the Hammond Civic Center. That's the night you'll see one man, Dick the Bruiser, go against two men, Christian Hampton and fans. Here's the saddle. The loser, the loser gets down on his hands and knees, and the winner puts the saddle on his back, rides him around the ring. <laughs> Boy, what a humiliating experience that would be. Yeah, I heard you mention he's the most dangerous man. But I'm going to tell you something. He might be to you, but after next Saturday night, he won't be. After me and Paul Christie ride him. I just can't <laughs> wait to ride that Dick the Bruiser. Well, now, wait, well, just a minute. You know, Dick the Bruiser has never lost a match of this kind. He never lost. Well, this is going to be one of his losers right here when me and I and Paul ride him. This saddle. 
Fans, you'll see absolutely the most exciting match you'll ever see at the Hammond Civic Center <laughs> next Saturday, September 26th, starting at 8.30 p.m. Remember, a handicapped saddle match. Dick DeBruja wrestles Paul Christie and Reverend Hampton. I want to see this match. A saddle match, Brian. I want to understand the words that were coming out of that man's mouth because he was complete mush mouth. Well, he wants he wants to ride Dick. The bruiser. Yes, that was Reverend Tiny Hampton the manager of Paul Christie, and the two of them were going to take on Dick the Bruiser in this handicap saddle match. Have you ever heard of this uh, concept for the saddle match, Brian? I have not, and what I've also not heard of is is a manager who usually serves as the mouthpiece for a wrestler not being able to cut a promo himself. Yeah, he uh, he had a little trouble there. Uh, the announcer, too, which I couldn't uh, quite figure out who it was, he didn't quite seem like a polished uh, a polished mic man either. But, uh, I mean, he, he got through it, and he just didn't sound like, you know, the those voices that you're used to in, in wrestling, like the Gene Okerlunds and even other guys in the AWA that you've seen, like uh, Ron Trongard and stuff like that. But, yeah, the this Reverend Tiny Hampton... He uh, <laughs> he did. He wasn't exactly the most. Uh, yeah, you think of a, a reverend, a guy on a pulpit, just kind of. You know, he's almost uh, mellifluous in the way that he, in the way he speaks, but uh, not this reverend. <laughs> no, you figured he'd be a little more articulate than uh, than he was able to pull off. But you know, this Saturday night, this this saddle. can't wait to ride him cannot wait to ride dick the bruiser and uh, would you i I, I want to see this match now i want to see the well more importantly i want to see the aftermath of this match (laughs) i'm guessing that dick the bruiser did not uh lose this match no i'm just gonna a wild guess like is the crowd going wild while he's riding (laughs) one of them like i don't know would you participate if you were booked in a saddle match would you participate well, depends on what they paid me. <laughs> and you know, you'd refuse to do the job. Is that what you're going to you're gonna say as well? No, no. Everybody has a price, Michael. <laughs> How much would it cost to get you to have a, a saddle strapped onto your back well, and I'm to walk gonna, around the ring? You know, I'm not going to saddle a number to myself. You know, much like oh, okay. saddle a human being. But you know, if there's a promoter out there that wants to talk uh, money for this sort of match with me. Hey, you'll find out in a few moments how to book the kingpin. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I really want to know how a crowd reacts to this. Do, are, yeah, are you happy? Are you cheering? Are you repulsed? Many emotions, I'm sure, would come over the people that had to witness a grown man riding another man with a, a horse saddle on his back. It's weird and wild stuff. it's weird wild stuff yes uh so uh send in if you have any videos out there of saddle matches we want to see them we want to see uh these uh saddle matches apparently dick the bruiser has never lost a match of this kind meaning there's been more than one (laughs) king of the saddle matches (laughs) (laughs) dusty's king of the bunkhouse matches dick the bruiser king of the saddle matches unbelievable (laughs) yes so uh let us know out there if you've ever seen a saddle match if you have video of a saddle match we need to see it right here on the wrestling podcast about nothing you heard this promo about nothing if you want the full picture Find the link to the video in the description of this episode 
or at the WPAN.com. One more time, check out the survey. Please give us some feedback on the wrestling podcast about nothing, what you want to hear in the future, and a little information about yourself so we know really who we're serving here as uh, podcasters. So check out tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey. Again, just take about five, ten minutes of your time. It'll really help us out. So thank you very much. tinyurl.com slash WPAN survey. Really hope you enjoyed this Best of BDA edition of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And I will be back with the Kingpin. Yes, Brian Malonis returns next Monday for episode 160 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, for Brawler Malonis, I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.